because I felt like you guys would much prefer to hear from him directly than from me. <laughs> Welcome, Father Joe. Yeah. I love doing stuff like this. So, Let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for gathering us here together to speak about your Son, Jesus Christ, to speak about the Scriptures. We ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and bless our time and bless our conversation. Open our hearts and minds up to whatever it is that you desire to reveal to us. We entrust all of these prayers to our Blessed Mother, and we ask all these prayers in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Amen. Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so I think the plan is I'm just going to tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, so the, the, the lesson last week actually is pretty pertinent to, to, to me because I think the gospel readings were, I think Jesus was led into temptation in the desert, right? And then he began his public ministry. So for me, newly ordained priest, I'm kind of like beginning my public ministry, which is pretty cool. Uh, so a little background for those of you who don't, don't know me. I got ordained this year on May 28, 2022. Uh, so very, very newly ordained priest. And then I started here at the cathedral on July 1st. Uh, and it's been absolutely amazing. I'm loving every second of it. Just diving headfirst into... To all the ministries here. Um, so it's a pleasure to be here with you all today. So, how did I get here? Priesthood. Um, so in those, in those readings, um, after Jesus begins his public ministry, I think one, I think, I don't know, for some Luke or whatever, or the calling of the apostles. The calling, you remember, um, Andrew and Peter and James and John are walking on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus approaches them and says, you know, come after me. He, he calls them. He calls them to be um, his apostles and eventually his priests. You know, the apostles were the first priests. And for me, you, you talk to, you know, different priests and there's um, some differences in their vocation stories and how they became priests, but a lot of similarities. Um, for me, I received a very clear calling. I received a very clear calling like Peter and Andrew and James and John's. I, I remember the exact day I remember exactly where I was. I remember the exact pew I was sitting in um, when I received when the Lord kind of spoke into the depth of my soul. Um, yeah, people are like, what was that like? What was that like? So I was at St. Catherine's in Kennesaw because uh, I was going to church up there. I grew up in Woodstock, um, and I went to college at Kennesaw State. So uh, after college, kind of during college, after college, I was helping with the youth group there. So I was kind of connected to that church. So anyway... August 2012, on a Saturday morning, I remember going there, um, and I was just spending some time in prayer. I th actually, I think I went to confession on Saturday morning. I was just in the sanctuary afterwards praying, uh, and I remember like it was yesterday. I remember the exact pew I was sitting in on the very left side on the second pew. Um, I was praying, and uh, very clearly the Lord kind of spoke into the depth of my soul, Joe, I want you to be my priest. And I was like, what the heck is happening here? I didn't, even, I didn't At that time, I was 24 at the time. Yeah, I was 24, and it never, ever had crossed my mind in my entire life. Um, so, but I would say, like, it didn't come out of nowhere. I say it never crossed my mind in my life, but this calling doesn't just, you know, come out of nowhere, okay? So I kind of, I like to, to see it as kind of a progression of callings. You know, this, this call didn't just drop out of nowhere. So let me, I'll just speak to you a little bit about this progression of calling. So first, before the Lord called me to the priesthood, to discern the priesthood, 
and call me to be his disciple, just like each and every one of us. If we look back, we can, we can, some people have very profound, um, like conversion experiences, or we can think back to those moments when we like really began to like give our life completely to the Lord and surrender and begin to start changing some things in our life, convicted of our sinfulness and kind of give our lives to Jesus. Um, so for me, that was in college. Uh, I grew up Catholic, very wonderful family. I don't think I ever missed Sunday Mass my entire life growing up. And that was mostly, uh, my dad grew up the same way, in a very cradle Catholic family, and, and his mother and father and my grandparents instilled that in him. It was just like, this isn't really an option. You know, we go to Mass on Sunday. There's, there's and you know, obviously, unless you're sick or whatever, but, uh, so he instilled that in us as well. Like, we, it was just a waste of time, a waste of breath, even saying, oh, no, I don't want to go to Mass, because it's like, no, we're going to Mass. So that was a huge seed planted in my life. Um, but other than that, I mean, great, great foundation, my, my wonderful parents, uh, wonderful family. But other than going to Mass on Sunday, like faith wasn't really, like we didn't talk about Jesus. Like we didn't talk about our faith at the dinner table. We prayed before meals. We like prayed before bed, maybe said an Our Father or Hail Mary. But other than that, it wasn't like, you know, central in our life. So great foundation, great seed planted, but I, fast forwarding a lot, Graduated high school, went off to college, and I just wasn't like, I knew, I would say like I kind of knew of God, but I didn't really know God. So without, not making excuses, but I wasn't really convicted um, about the, the life I was living. I went off to college and um, kind of fell into the college life. Um, wasn't really living the most virtuous life. Now, you know, all things considered, it wasn't like, uh, you know, it wasn't like, horrendous, but it definitely was not, it was not a, you know, I don't want to play the compare game, but it wasn't a virtuous life. It wasn't a virtuous life. I kind of fell into the college life, the party scene, and I was like, hey, this is great. I'm having a blast. This is so much fun. I'm hanging out with my friends, meeting a ton of new people. This is wonderful. Um, I'm having a great time. And again, not making excuses, but I wasn't really convicted about, um, like, the life of sin that I was, I was, I just wasn't convicted yet. So, um, little by little in college, God started like breaking into my life and started revealing himself to me. Now, a lot of different um, events kind of happened with this, but one major, when I, I remember very clearly, and it was kind of a, a series of events, but one very clear event that I remember was I had this like seemingly perfect day. I think um, like the college semester was out and I think um, got together with a bunch of my friends, went out to my parents' house, went to the pool, had a barbecue, like seemingly perfect day, right? It's a perfect day. A lot of other details, but I was like, wow, this is a perfect day. And I went home to my apartment to get ready for bed and I was getting ready and I was like, man, what a good day, just filled with joy. And I remember laying down in my bed and this feeling of emptiness just invaded my bones. And I was like, what the heck is this? I've never experienced this before. Um, long story short, basically God used this to kind of speak in, speak into this emptiness and say like, okay, yeah, you do have a lot of great things going on in your life. You have an awesome family, great friends. I was dating a beautiful girl at the time. I had a good career path mapped out. Um, I was studying accounting um, at, uh, at Kennesaw State. Everything was going well. I was playing like every single intramural sport in college. I was meeting a ton of people. I was having a blast. Everything was great in my mind. I was like, this, every, I, everything is wonderful. So yes, you, God kind of affirmed, yes, you do have a lot of good things going on in your life, but if I'm not in the center of your life, you're never, ever going to be completely fulfilled, never, ever going to be completely satisfied. You're always going to be reaching for more and more and more. That's just the reality of God is infinite. 
and you know created things even if they're good family friends uh all that they're good but they're finite they're never going to be able to completely fulfill you um, we're wired for god we have this you've heard it said before maybe like we have a god-shaped hole in our soul and if god's not there something's always just going to be a little bit off and i was like so anyway this profound experience the lord kind of spoke into this emptiness and kind of revealed that to me i'm like huh okay interesting um so and that's what i was i would say this is shift from like knowing of god to like knowing god so there's this this is the call to discipleship like hey i want to be in the center of your life i want to be in relationship with you it's like oh okay i never really like heard about this growing up i mean i maybe maybe i just wasn't listening in church growing up but like wow like god desires to truly be in relationship with me through his son jesus christ and like actually cares about every single detail of my life and like wants to walk with me huh okay this is interesting so that kind of sent me on a journey of like basically conforming my life to him and this is where like the conviction of sin started coming in i'm like oh okay i guess i uh, need to change some things in my life and it didn't happen overnight for sure no way um took a while right of like conforming my life and realizing wow but this is this is the way to live this is what god desires and then um then you start realizing wow this is actually bringing me happiness and joy and peace not easy not easy to follow jesus every single day and conform your life to him but so that was it that was his first call to discipleship um so i started reading the scriptures more i started like maybe getting involved a little bit in my church um, so this call to discipleship then i would say the next progression of call would be okay if you're in relationship with someone that means like spending time with them, like frequent communication. So I would say this next call was kind of a call to like a life of prayer, like spending more time in prayer. Like I said, I started you know, reading some more scripture, um, uh, just start spending more time in quiet prayer, started like, you know, meditating a little bit more on the scriptures and asking the big questions in life, started praying the rosary a little bit. Um, but yeah, just started spending time communicating with God um, and just hanging out and spending time that's what prayer is right just communicating with god it can look like a variety of ways but i didn't really know how to pray that well it's just um you know i just kind of started doing it and then god just kind of took me on and took me on a journey right there's many methods of prayer right you know tons of ways we can pray but the methods aren't as important um there's not like there's no like secret formula okay just do this and it's the methods actually they they're useful in the fact that they lead us into like intimate union with God. Um, that's what's the most important. It's not so much the methods and the techniques we use. These are just methods in order to lead us into this union. So call to discipleship, started following Jesus, started changing things in my life. This is exciting. Very cool. This is an adventure. It really is an adventure following Jesus. Um, call to this life of prayer. If I'm in relationships with someone, this means like spending time with them, frequent communication started spending more time in prayer and then i guess through this life of prayer i guess the lord kind of prepared my soul to be able to receive this calling to the priesthood uh so like i said i remember the exact day it was on a saturday morning i the confession and i was just spending some time in prayer just kind of reflecting uh in the sanctuary and yeah i remember like i said like it was yesterday that's when the call to the priesthood came of um joe i want you to be my priest whoa, this is, I don't even know what this means, right? Because like I said, I was 24 and it had never crossed my mind. Never, ever crossed my mind. Um, but I guess the Lord was kind of preparing me uh, for this calling. Um, so needless to say, uh, I just wasn't ready for it. I was like, 
what are you, what does this even mean? I don't know what this means. And most of it was like a fear of the unknown. I don't know what this is all about. And I'm like, wait a second, I was 24. Like I had finished in, uh, my undergrad in accounting. I got a, I think I had, yeah, I had just finished my master's in business. Um, and I think I had just started, um, I, I was working at an accounting firm, a public accounting firm just down the street from here in Midtown um, at that time. So I was like, wait, hold on, what are you talking about? What does this mean? You want to be a priest? Like, what is this? I just got an accounting degree. I got a master's in business. I just got like a really good internship at this accounting firm that like shortly after turned into a full-time job. Um, I was like, wait a second. I don't, I don't get this. I don't get this. So I kind of like shoved it away. I was like, no way. I can't do this. I was like, no, I've changed a lot of things in my life, Lord. I'm following you now. I've got involved in the church, but I've got this other path going on here. And so I just kind of pushed it away. And try to make the, the long story very short. I'll try to like, you know, condense it down. And then maybe I'll just open it for some questions. But I would say that was August of 2012. I didn't enter the seminary until August of 2015. So these next three years were not fun, to be honest. I tell like young guys that are like that are discerning the priesthood, like discernment sucked. <laughs> it, was, like, it was brutal. Um, it was probably the toughest three years of my life. Um, I hated it. Um, just tons of anxiety, tons of fear, tons of wrestling with God. I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, I can't do this. Like, what? Just like I'm ready to get married. Just send me the right woman. I'm ready to get married. Why are you calling me to this? Like, this is. It was just. It was terrible. Um, but over that three years, um, the Lord would be like, okay, yeah, you can follow that path if you want. Like, if you desire to get married, that, that's fine, right? But, like, once I came to realize, he said, you can do that, but I have this gift I want to give you. The vocation to the priesthood. I want to give you this gift. And I'm like, nope, can't do it. No way. Take that away. <laughs> so over those next three years, it would kind of, like, it would kind of come and go depending on like the season in my life, whether I was like enjoying whether I, how my job was going, whether I was dating at the time, um, it was just kind of come and go. And when it came up, I'm like, nope, can't do that. Thanks, thanks again, but like, please no. Like I'm ready to get married, please just send me the right woman. Um, but it would just kind of come and go depending on the season in my life. Um, and then I realized like this isn't going away. Uh, the, Lord, um, the Lord is very persistent. The Lord is not forceful. He respects our free will. Like I said, okay, that's fine if you want to do this. But he was very persistent. He just kept saying, I have this gift I want to give you. And when you're ready, please accept it. And so, like I said, those three years were terrible. Not fun at all. But I would never, ever give it up. I would never give it up, even though it was the toughest three years of my life. I would never give it up because I fell in love with the Lord so much at this time. I realized, like, wow, like, you really do have my best interest. Like, you really do have my best interest. You really do have a perfect plan for my life. Um, I just have to kind of like step into that with trust. That's what discipleship is, right? God doesn't just say, okay, here's how your whole life's going to go. Like, you know, it'll be, no, like sometimes discipleship is just like taking one step and be like, oh my gosh, what's next? Um, so yeah, that's, so I had to kind of step into it. But, but yeah, those three years were tough. But like I said, we never give it up because I fell in love with the Lord so much during that time. Came to realize, okay. You really do have a perfect plan for my life. So I started getting a little bit more serious about this, this calling. I was like, um, okay, all right, this isn't going away. So I kind of, I finally reached out to like my parish priest and kind of went through the steps of like, all right, I'm going to just, I'm going to explore this. I'm going to explore this. Okay. But I'm going to kind of check this box and then hopefully it'll be like, nope, that's not it. <laughs> um, but 
little by little I realized, um, okay, this is really what the Lord wants me to like be serious about, like to discern it. So I actually kind of realized, okay, I can't do, I can't like discern marriage and preach at the same time. So I just had to be like very um, intentional about, I just had to stop dating at the time. And I was just like, all right, I got to explore this because it's way too hard. Um, it's way too hard to, to do both, discern both. Um, so finally, uh, little by little, it came down to the end and I was like, I just have to surrender a little bit more and more. And uh, again, there's a million details in between here. Um, but finally, I got to the point where I was like, you know what? Like, maybe I can do this. Mary was huge. Mary was huge in this. I remember um, praying one time, and definitely not an apparition or anything at all, but I remember like praying the rosary. I remember kind of like closing my eyes, and she was um, kind of this image of her with her hands open, like her hands open. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what this means. She's like, just hand it over to me. Just hand over your vocation. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of you. And, um, yeah, shortly after that, like, the doors just kind of started opening up. And, like, mostly I received, like, the grace in the form of, like, just being more comfortable about, like, kind of thinking about myself as a priest. Like, you know what? Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do this. Finally, I, I entered the I, – I, finally, I visited a seminary. So the final steps were kind of like this. August of 15 is when I entered um, like December of 14, I went on, our Diocese of Atlanta hosts a retreat every year for guys that are discerning. So I went on that, and I'm like, okay, all right, this was good. Still like, oh, I don't know. And I talked to the vocation director at the time, Father Tim Hepburn. Some of you guys might know him. He used to be the vocation director. But I, I was talking with him. I'm like, I just don't know. Like, what do I do? And he's like, have you ever visited a seminary? And I was like, no, I haven't. He's like, you should go do it. And I'm like, well... You know, I'm kind of busy. Uh, I was like, I just, I don't think I can do that. Um, I said, really, I was busy because uh, I worked in an accounting firm and I was on the tax side. So busy, literally busy season was coming up. And I was like, I don't know. I, this, this spring is, is I have busy season coming up. He's like, when is the date? And he told me, he said, well, it's April 17th. And I was like, oh, well, okay. so, real funny, God. Uh, so I said, you know, I don't really have any excuses, you know deadline text deadline is april 15th so i'll actually be very free then so i said you know what sign me up and i remember going up um i went to mundelein seminary that's where i just north chicago and that's the seminary i visited at the time i remember april 17th 2015 and i went up there there's a deep sense of peace and i was like not still still not a ton of like perfect clarity like okay here you go just sign up for seminary you're gonna be here for six years you're gonna be a priest and all good no not perfect clarity, but like a deep sense of peace. I was like, this is where I need to be. And I was like, you know, I wasn't signing my name up for like priesthood. Like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. That's the end goal, right? But when you enter a seminary, it's like, okay, I'm going to take the next step of discerning this call. Like, I can't keep running away from this thing. So I got that sense of peace and that consolation. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take the next step. So I went back home after that and uh, kind of prayed a little bit more about it. Uh, and I remember I quit my job, and I had that whole summer to kind of prepare for it. And uh, August of 2015, I entered the seminary. Um, seven years later, seven years later, here I am, uh, ordained a priest. So that is the very short story of, of kind of how I, my journey to the priesthood and how God kind of broke into my life and called me to, first and foremost, like all of us are called, to, to be his disciple, to follow him, to come to know him uh, more deeply, uh, to spend time with him and prayer so called a discipleship this called this life of prayer and then for me this is the path that he chose for me um the priesthood this call to the priesthood and as i entered seminary and even since being ordained a priest it's like wow like lord this is this is exactly what you created me for like to have that that peace and assurance of um 
I'm following the Lord's will. I'm doing what God called me to. That's just a great gift. And there's as much wrestling as I did and as much um, trying to run away from him as I did um, now that I'm a priest. Like, there is nothing else I'd rather be doing. There is no place that I'd rather be. Um, it is a beautiful life. And like I said, this is truly what the Lord created me for. He has a perfect plan for all of us. We just got to kind of step into it. It's going to come with, you know, crosses and tribulations and trials, but also tons of joy and peace. So that's my quick story. I'll leave it uh, open just for if you guys have any questions um, to follow up with. Yeah. Father Joe, um, I have a question. I'm a mom of boys that are in their 30s, yeah. like 30s, who raised Catholic. We were like your parents, yeah. I think, you know, um, and they are not going to the church at yeah. all. They're Join married the to women that are, go like to the Buckhead Church and okay. things like that, and they are in a Bible study. And, yeah. But uh, what can we, I mean, I pray it for them. They are um, very much influenced by uh, the message that are sure. in these churches, and that um, okay. they get something out of it every time yeah. they go. You know? Yeah. Well, they're forgetting the Eucharist. Now. Sure. Well, I, I, I get some decent feedback on my preaching. People like to see my preaching. So <laughs> tell them to come. Tell them to come to church. I'll give them a good oh, message. <laughs> oh, that's a big question. So yeah, that's that's kind mm-hmm. of a that's people my age. So uh, I get it. I get it. Um, for I think. There's a lot of factors here. Um, I think part of it is their spouses that are probably um, that are that are Protestant that are going to these things. But yeah, people do want to be fed. People do want to be nourished by like a good message, right? Uh, so that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And I hope these places like Buckhead Church are very like Bible centered, right? So first and foremost, there's hope. Um, at least they're in a place where they're like they're being fed by the Word of God. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, versus other people that just kind of leave, leave God, leave, leave church completely. So there's hope there. Hopefully that eventually they'll realize, okay, this is good here. There's like a lot of elements of truth and sanctification here. But like there's still something that I'm missing. So hopefully they'll like, they're, they're continually being nourished right now. But hopefully they'll come to the point and realize like, wow. All right. Yeah, there, there's something else. There's something else I'm missing. Hopefully this is the fullness of the truth and, and the elements of sanctification here. So keep praying for them. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's no secret formula. <laughs> no. Yeah, but I mean, but like you, we, we never discuss, like, what, where's Jesus in your life? Yeah. We can sit around the table yeah. and talk about yeah. Jesus. And, um, and I'm not comfortable really just having, I don't see him that often, but yeah. having a conversation like, let's talk about Jesus today. I mean, <laughs> I, it's just hard. Yeah. Okay. It's not, I mean... I mean, I feel like I mod- we model it. You know, the sure. experience we model. Yeah, everyone's got different gifts. Some people are like able to like dive into the deep nuances of our faith and explain why right. this is the fullness of the truth and why we need scripture, why we need the sacraments. But other people, they just they don't have that gift, and it's just like, okay, I'm just going to live as a, as a witness to the love of God. So, yeah, yeah. Thanks. So, at what point did you um, include your parents in this process? Uh, very good question. <laughs> Okay, so I received that call, I said, in August 2012, and until August of 2015 when I started seminary, um, well, I announced to the whole family that I was, you know, entering seminary shortly before that, but in those three years, three people, I told, three people, my dad, who, that's kind of another story, he had a, a pretty, like, big reversion about the same time when I was like growing in my faith uh, and a reversion in the sense that he never fell away from faith he was going to mass every Sunday like I said we never missed but he went on he got invited on a retreat and basically the Lord convicted him in a very tangible way it's like I want more 
there's a verse in the in the book of Revelation where um, there's these letters to these seven churches in Asia Minor, and this church to Laodicea, Laodicea or however you say it, is um, basically, I wish you were hot or cold. Um, I wish you were either like very warm in your faith, or even, I'd rather even be like cold in your faith, but since you are lukewarm, I will spit you out. Um, so basically this conviction, <laughs> the Lord kind of convicted my dad, you're just going through the motions. You're just going through the motions. I want more. Anyway, my dad had this big reversion. Um, so he was enormous for me, for to me to kind of have these conversations about my faith. And then eventually I told him, you know, uh, I feel this call to the priesthood and we had great conversation. And I told two of my, two of my close friends, who weren't even Catholic, um, but two of my best friends. But other than that, I didn't tell anyone, well, except my parish priest, who I finally reached out to, finally. Um, but it was, it was pretty, people would like bring it up. Like, hey, Joe, like, have you thought about being a priest? And I'm like, why would you say that? <laughs> yeah, like, I just, I didn't like when it came up. I didn't, I didn't need more emotion. I didn't need to, I knew my mom would be super emotional. I knew my sisters would, um, they would be supportive, but it would just add more. I was like, I already have enough going on. Like, I don't need, I don't need any more. I honestly, I would, I started going to daily mass here and there. And I remember there was a couple instances where like a few like ladies at mass, like afterwards, they were like, they chased me down and said, hey, excuse me, young man, have you ever thought about being a priest? Oh my gosh, get away from me. Like just because I'm a young guy going to daily mass doesn't mean I'm going to be a priest. But I, honestly, like they saw something. There, there was something there that, and I can like continue to get that affirmation of like, yeah, you know what? Like I can see you doing that. And I'm like, huh, okay. So, yeah, it's actually very important for us to, like, invite people, like young men that we see uh, that might have a vocation. It's actually, like, even if it's just saying, hey, have you ever thought about the priesthood? These are seeds that we plant. Or if you see someone that, like, definitely you think might have a vocation, it's like, hey, you should consider this. I see that is part of it, the community kind of encouraging that. Um, so that to answer your question about that, um, it took a long time. And eventually I told Gosh, this is a long story. I don't know if I want to tell this whole thing, but I told my my mom found out about a year before I finally entered seminary, and very emotional. We had a very long conversation, and it's the the normal mom thing of like, I just want you to be happy, um, and I just always imagine you getting married, and having a big family. I'm like, hey, mom, me too. I still feel that way. But like, yeah, I still feel that way, and it's like I still have a desire, like to be like there still is that like desire I've had since a very young age to be like a husband and a father. And the Lord has always like been, that, that's a good desire. That's a good desire for, for man to, to want to be a husband and father. I don't want someone to sign up for seminary or priesthood and say like, yeah, screw marriage. Like, no way, I don't want to be a husband and father. No, that should be like innate there. But the Lord like fulfills it and satisfies it in a different way. So yeah, I told my mom, she was emotional and I, we kind of had this conversation. Uh, and then I'll tell the story real quick. So the day I announced I was going to seminary and told the whole family, we were all out together at the house. All my brother-in-law, sisters, and when I, t- when I announced to the family, my mom ran upstairs, like, crying, like, bawling. Um, and because she just, she's like, okay, it's finally here. It's like, I, I can't believe this is happening. So long story short, I went and talked to her, and she, we, we talked about everything. She had all these questions. She's like, well, can't you be a deacon? <laughs> can't you be, like, can't you, be, I, you know, like, married and, like, have kids? And I'm like, I don't know, Mom. But I, ha- I, I, I don't know. I still want to get married and have a family, but, like, I can't keep running from this. I have to explore this. But then she told me this story, very powerful story. I was 28 when I entered seminary, when, when, I, when I told the whole family this. And she, she said, well, you know, I knew this day might come. And I was like, huh, interesting. And she told this story that she had never told a soul. So the day I was baptized, 
the day I was baptized, the priest that baptized me, afterwards we were at the house, um, you know, like a little luncheon, and the priest looked at my mom, who she knew my mom, he knew my mom very well because uh, she actually converted when she married my dad, and he brought her into the church. They would like play tennis together, et cetera, so he knew her very well. Back at the house, after I was baptized, and she looked, he looked at my mom and said, hmm, Joseph Edward, he's going to be a priest one day. Oh. And yeah, okay. Did he tell this to every mom, like, that baptized a male child? I don't know. I don't think so. But, um, and so my mom didn't tell a soul. They were together. She didn't tell a single person until that day I announced I was going to seminary. Um, and this priest that I didn't really, I didn't really meet growing up or anything, because I got baptized up where they grew up uh, in western Kentucky. They moved down here right before we were born. So I didn't really know him. But as my ordination approached, um, I got to know him. He actually came to my ordination, and he came to my first Mass, which was insane. <laughs> crazy, crazy. So that's a cool story. Yeah. That is uh, awesome. Yeah. So again, it's like this affirmation that, okay, like this is, this is what you were born for. This is what I created you for. So pretty powerful. Yeah. So, Father, you've got such an optimistic point of view. Do you have hope that there will be more men that will acknowledge a call to the priesthood? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. You're in a unique position to you and Father Juan Carlos are in a unique position to influence. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so yeah, I am optimistic about it. But okay, first off, it's not easy. You just heard my story. It is not easy to say yes to it. Um, but I would say there are men that have calls, but also like for us, like we need to keep praying. Uh, you know, the the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. So we have to pray for priests. We have to pray for priests. Like, this is a non-negotiable. We have to pray for priests. We have to pray for the men that are discerning the vocation. Uh, we have to beg the Lord to continue to send priests to us. Um, so, yeah, I'm hopeful. As long as, we, as long as we pray, the Lord will provide. He always does. Um, but, like, from a practical standpoint, I do think that it's hard. But I think that there's a lot of, um, I mean, just my close friends that are you know, recently ordained, um, I think there's a certain, I'm not saying that the older generation doesn't have this, but I think that there's, um, there's a certain zeal, um, there's a certain, like, um, how do I put this? Because I'm not saying it's not present in an older generation of priests, but there's a, there's a certain, like, zeal for life and an enjoyment, and we're, I think we're, we're willing to talk about it more. It's like, I love this life. It's beautiful. It is awesome. You should consider it. And I think there's, we also hang out a lot more together. And I think people see, like when I, when I, when we go to different events and help out and stuff, like people see our camaraderie, like, wow, that is beautiful. Even like for here, like Monsignor and myself and Father Juan Carlos, we hang out together. We eat lunch together. We go to things together and we're joking. We're enjoying each other's company. People see that. And I think young men see that and say, hey, that's cool. Like, I want to be a part of that. So I think there's, there's like the fraternal aspect of it. There's hope there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Any other questions? Um, okay. Thank Very you good. so much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that was awesome, Father. Thank you. Um, so what's next? <laughs> uh, can't follow that, really. Um, that was amazing. I love that whole story. And I, I love that. I know probably all of us have had the chance to enjoy your officiating at Mass. 
I know I have a couple of times, um, I didn't see you this past weekend, but weekend before in particular, I was high-fiving Father Joe about <laughs> bringing up the penitential act specifically oh, yeah, yeah. in the sermon. You know, right. I think that there's so much to be um, highlighted in our mass mm-hmm. that they're not doing down at Buckhead Church, you know, and um, <laughs> yeah. certainly fresh out of seminary, priests like we have, you know, are going to be able to do that. So to the extent that word of mouth is the most, you know, effective way of communicating, you know, I think this whole group needs to just chit-chat it up all over Atlanta, you know, that we've got two brand new seminarians, you know, that are (laughs) priests now that have come and have this this great way to, in, in language we understand, <laughs> how to help us understand what's so special about being Catholic. Would you concur? Yeah, 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 yeah. Amen. amen. Anyway, all right, so as far as what's next, we've got about 20 more minutes together. Um, you just do like small groups and stuff? We do, okay. we do small group. We, um, we literally, it's like wherever you are, be there. It's like <laughs> every right. table is a small group and we're cool. gonna just um, review our questions. All right, well, I'll hang out for a couple more minutes, but I gotta run over to the house. We got a little luncheon for, I think, some of like the maintenance, the guys here. We have a little oh, appreciation oh, luncheon. So cool. it was great to be with you all. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, let me know if you guys ever need anything. I'm around. So, God Father, bless you. Is there something like special ministry-wise? I mean, there's something that really appeals to your heart. Like, Ooh, man. Um, oh, I love everything, but um, I mean, I think like the youth, like we talked about, yeah. there's there's a huge opportunity there because people are like, they're seeking. Even if they're not in church, like they're seeking. They're asking questions. So I love uh, yeah, any kind of like young adult youth ministry and even just, yeah, engaging people where they are. Um, yeah. That's good yeah, to know. So. How did you get to Christ the King? Uh, so we're not done with you. There's a, lot, there's a lottery. Monsignor my, my, my senior, my pulled some strings. So I don't know if you're asking this question, but I grew up in Atlanta. I, I'm a seminarian. I was a seminarian for Archdiocese. They send me to seminary. Know that I'll come back to Atlanta to serve as a priest. So I'll always be at a church in the Archdiocese of Atlanta. This is just, yeah. This was just my first assignment. So always be around. Yeah. Yeah. We're not allowed to tell anyone. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's like this. We have, yeah, we have, there's three of us, there's three of us here, and there's a lot of masses, so they actually move us around each week, so I usually don't have, like, the same mass schedule. They make it by month, um, so, yeah, people ask me that all the time. I'm like, if you really want to know, you can email me, but uh, it might get a little, that might get a little dangerous of, like, people trying to figure out when, uh, but yeah, if you really want to know, you, you can email me. <laughs> I'll tell you, yeah. No, they do not. Absolutely do not do that. No, they just don't like to do that. Because sometimes, sometimes it even changes, right? We have to, like, you know, if someone has something, we have to flip something yeah. around. So we have... live stream, you get 12, 10 a lot. Oh, yeah. can live stream... Yeah, the day, yeah, weekday message, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Tell her sons. Tell her sons. Come see. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. All right. Well, you guys enjoy your small group. We'll see you guys around. I'll try to join you again sometime. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah. Great to be here with you guys. Thank you. Someone like that. Just, just, just speak.